0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello and welcome to Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. We have a friend here today. Julie, who do we have? Our friend, Steven Finkel. He is our special correspondent from the Wizarding World with specialties in wand lore and locomotives. Yes. Stephen has practiced these specialties all over the world amongst your resident witches, wizards, and muggles alike. And when I say all over the world, we are calling in live tonight from Beijing. Folks, all Beijing representing tonight. The I'm way in China. Right? Dude, that's so cool. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for Hello, being here. I'm-
0: I'm very happy to be here. It's a uh, opposite time time zone, so I'm it's a new morning here in China, but I'm excited to be here.
1: To give everybody a sense of time, it is eight o'clock p.m. Wednesday night here on the West Coast, here mm-hmm. in California. Beijing, it is Thursday morning, eleven ish.
0: Oh, yeah, about eleven.
1: All right, we're making magic, right? Yeah. Making all the international magic right now. <laughs>
0: It's always so funny to me because now I have to get used to things happening the day, like April Fool's Day and in, and Easter, they all happen for me. And then I, I go on Facebook and I see the day <laughs> the next day, everyone back in America. Making April Fool's jokes. I'm like, this already happened. We yeah.
1: did this yesterday. <laughs> That's so funny. Welcome to the show. Let's jump right into it. This week's episode, we are taking a slight pause from our regularly scheduled Outlander content. <laughs> and we are jumping right into Secrets of Dumbledore this week.
2: Yeah, they took a week off from. Outlander. So we are taking full advantage of that and getting our
0: hot Dumbledore on,
1: right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Steven, serious question. When did your love of the Potterverse start? If
0: you told me now 30 that when i was a little kid harry potter would be such a huge part of my life i would have told you you were crazy i remember when i was i think i was in middle school and a friend of mine i used to hang out with he had these books on his shelf and these little figurines of like a girl in robes and and brown hair and a boy with glasses and i I remember one day saying to him, I was like, what, what, what is this? Who are these characters? And he told me about Harry Potter. And through telling me the story, I just slowly became obsessed with it. And it's really funny because I did a bunch of research as a kid. I didn't even read the book. I just did research about the (laughs) books, So I knew everything in the books, but I didn't actually read them until I saw the first film in theaters. And then after I saw the film, that's when I started slowly reading the books and uh, going to the, you know, gone but not forgotten Barnes and Noble premieres, Midnight, to get them. And yeah, and over time, it just became this sort of lovable obsession, just studying not only Potter, but then also the outer wizarding world, thing that really kept me in the world, not just the books and the films, but also the video games. I'm a big gamer, okay. so I grew up playing all of the games as well on the old PlayStation through, and then there's the new game coming out, which I'm very excited about. And then it just kind of followed me into my adulthood. I, I've been very lucky to be a part of the entertainment team for multiple universal studio parks. And I've just like every day I wake up and I get to walk into Hogsmeade and see the castle, and mm. it's a it's a very very surreal feeling, you know, there's times I, I walk into Hogsmeade and there's nobody there. And I'm just like, wow, I'm like, I, I live this. And then not only that, but I've also been lucky to be a volunteer. For companies like Mischief Management who throw conventions called LeakyCon, and Cute. so that's how I've gotten to meet a lot of the celebrities from the film. I've, I have have very strange stories of being Ivana Lynch's assistant for a day I've met Tom Felton <laughs> through this. Oh. I've, I've oh met gosh. pretty much anyone who played a student in the films Yeah, Harry's been a huge part of my life and I, I just have this deep love for the themes of the stories and same thing with Fantastic Beasts series as well. I just love these stories. There's just something so interesting about them and so magical about them. That's amazing.
2: Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm wow. like- so jealous okay so you you met tom felton okay yep. so my daughter yep. i don't know why on tiktok tom felton has like re like um, re-emerged as the hottie of all hotties all the girls like teenage girls are so into tom mm-hmm. felton but him when he was in the movies not so much now right <laughs> yeah he's like all the rage for whatever reason now mm-hmm. with teenage girls so good for him he- good for good for him yeah
0: yeah <laughs> He honestly, uh, of all the ones that I've met, was the nicest human being. Just, uh, he walked over to me and we just had about a 20 minute conversation about what I do at Universal. And then also, he was very surprised by how much I had to know about the world of Potter. (laughs) He was like, you know, yeah, he was like everything he knows from working on the films, but He hasn't really inundated himself into the world outside of that. Yeah. There was this moment when I was speaking to him where we were standing in Hogsmeade and we were at the archway and we were just staring up at Hogwarts castle. And I was like, this is the most surreal, weird moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm standing next to Draco Malfoy. Yeah. So yeah.
1: That's perfection. Oh Oh my
2: gosh. I love it. Okay. So today we are going to be spilling some tea on Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore starring Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, Ezra Miller, Dan Fogler, Allison Sudol, okay. Callum Turner, Jessica Williams, Katherine Watterson, and Mads Michelson. So here's the part of the okay, show where see. we spill the tea. You guys know what this means. This means spoilers. We are talking about the movie. We are getting into it. The nitty gritty everything. Easter eggs, fan theories. We're talking about it. Okay, here we go. I have a question. Go for it. Why on earth did they give Jacob a wand? Was that just to throw Grindelwald off? Like what is, why did he have a wand that didn't work? People, someone explain this to me. We have someone that kind of specializes in
1: wand lore. So tell me about the snake wand with no core. Yeah.
0: It was really funny when, when they gave him the wand of snake wood, because I was sitting in the theater and I went, well, I wonder when we're going to start selling that one. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, the, the snake wood thing, I was like, is it like a horned serpent? It, like, what type of, are we talking a right. regular snake? And then that got me into thinking of, obviously, the, remind me, Julie, the founder of Ilva Mornay and how her oh, wand, Isolt Sawyer. Isolt, and how yeah. her wand, doesn't it have a core of horned serpent? right so I was like maybe there's a connection there wanted it to go somewhere to where he maybe he did there is something going on there there is that he is a wizard and and it could come down the line because I I did you know Dumbledore at the end of the film says to him I don't think there's anyone who deserves that wand more so I do think there might be something there that and maybe who knows I know there was that scene where he was so passionate about his feelings towards Queenie. And we do yeah. see kind of Queenie protecting him. But mm-hmm. I was like, maybe some of this is him. And we're just not being shown the whole thing. Maybe this storm and everything. It's his magic inside of him, just unleashing because he has yeah. this passion side of him. So I'm curious about where this, this wand will go. And
1: also next serious question. What was your first reaction when you left the theater? Okay. (laughs) After seeing this, yes.
0: I am in the camp of, I liked it, but then at the same time, there were things that I I wish would have been done, changed or added. I feel like I kind of walked out and I said to my friends, because we, my friend who went with me, we're both big Doctor Who fans. And I was like, I feel like what David Yates did and Rowling did with this is kind of what Stephen Moffat used to do back when Matt Smith was the doctor, which is the episode starts and something's happening, but you have no context for what happened. You just kind of are like, oh, okay, we're doing this. And there were a lot of things in this film that I was like, uh, okay, uh, so Credence and Aberforth are talking. When did that start? And yeah. where is this person? You know, I, yeah, I was like, where is Magini? Um, There were a lot of things in the film I really liked. I like getting to see more of the wizarding world that we've never seen before. I like kind of look into the political world. I was mm, a little yes. shocked that an an animal chooses everything that happens. They had to get
2: the fantastic beast in there somewhere because it's kind of in the name of the movie. So they're like, let's be chilling like a villain and just throw this in here.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was nice. Chilling. I had to. I've been Um, thinking about it. (laughs) But overall, I did like it. I do think that at this point, you know, it's kind of like how do we put Newt in this story still? Because we're kind of deviating away from Newt and kind of going more into the lead up to Dumbledore with his famous battle with Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. The end of the film, I sort of think that's how they left it. They were kind of like, this is the closing of Newt's chapter. He'll probably come back, but the next film, whenever they come out, is going to focus more on Dumbledore's story. I liked it. Was it my favorite Potter film? No, but I I did really enjoy the film.
1: I left the theater thinking, I am not buying that Aberforth is Credence's dad at all. First of all, it should have been called Lies of Dumbledore because I thought Aberforth was lying the whole time. I felt there were more secrets and no answers Maybe one problem was solved in this whole movie (laughs) and I was just so irritated the first time seeing it. I did kind of think it dragged a little, but I'm still convinced that our theory is right and that this was just a distraction. I'm waiting for Vinda to have her mic drop moment and explain the Rosier backstory. And we were right about Credence not being a brother and being a son for sure. And I'm waiting for everything to fully come together. But I fully believe that we were just thrown into a mix of alternating storylines to throw us off even further because we've had so much time to focus on Crimes of Grindelwald and try and piece together, you know, the mysteries from that movie because we were left with all these cliffhangers. So I left the movie theater a little frustrated and then I saw it again 24 hours later and then found all these other Easter eggs. (laughs) But that's another story. (laughs) How about you, Lauren? What was your thought when you left the theater? The
2: first time I was kind of annoyed because I I was like kind of waiting to see if our theory was correct. It still is in my book. And it did. I did feel like it dragged the second time. I just was like enjoying the movie Mm -hmm. and I can kind of see how like they're kind of done with the Credence storyline. So they're trying to make a quick explanation to move it on. They're like, we're done with this. We're leading up to this bigger battle. And they're kind of just over it. I mean, which is so weird to me because he had Credence had such a big part. In all of them. And now they're just kind of pushing him away, like, okay, he's going to die. And this really quick explanation of, yeah, Aberforth is your dad. And yeah, how did they start talking through the mirror? Like, how did this come about? Just not enough was explained. I feel like there, there needed to be a movie in between these two movies or yes. something. You could feel the space of time. And I'm like, where the heck's Tina? Like they gave a really short explanation, but she was so pivotal in all of these movies. And then mm-hmm. now she's just not in it. Yeah. I in don't it, yeah. like, I know they're making room for Lally, but like you could have also put Tina in there. Like Lally was phenomenal. Benti was kind of front and center. Mm-hmm. That didn't make any sense to me. I don't it know. It just seemed like there were some missing pieces and some links that just weren't connected. And again, maybe another movie, like where's Nagini? I, I just have so many questions. Like what's yeah. going on?
1: <laughs> so to give you guys a better idea on the time frame when we did our Harry Potter conspiracy theories, We were thinking that the storyline would take place in circa 1939. This took place circa 1932. So more or less the beginning of the Great Depression. And this storyline is paralleling World War II. It's a little early for what we were hoping for and or expecting. This is the movie we got, and I'm trying to make the best of it. (laughs) Well, they're trying to make five
2: movies. They have to spread it out. They need to make two more so they couldn't just
1: jump forward, you know? Right. Still a little disappointing, but that's fine. Did you guys notice any Potter parallels?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously the the rebounding curse off mm-hmm. of Credence mm-hmm. that Dumbledore stopped and then that fight between them, him and Grindelwald, the Priory in, in Cantartum that we got to see. One of my favorite moments actually was kind of just an homage to the, the past films with the cases during the chase scene through the village, just having one case sh- Shoot out things from yes. Harry Potter, yeah. the monster book.
1: And uh-huh. then another
0: case, shoot out pastries as an homage to the first film with Jacob. So that was a great uh, Potter parallel as well. And then, obviously, you know, the biggest Potter parallel, Hogwarts. One of my favorite things about these films is the moments where you go to Hogwarts and I just, yes. like, I sit up in my chair and I'm like, oh, Finally, because for me, Hogwarts is as much as a character in the movies and in the books as Newt or Harry, Ron and Hermione is, you know, it's, I feel like it's almost, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a sentient being that just when you see it, you're like, ah
2: there you are yeah. <laughs> like we're home
1: yeah. yeah
0: so yeah just first shot of the castle and you see that there's a quidditch match going yes. on and you're like oh, oh.
1: so good so-, so what did you guys think of the blood
2: pack i thought it was really cool when they showed that it's like it's gonna choke the shit out of you if you try to go against
1: this <laughs> like, right <laughs> it's gonna kill you <laughs> it had like slytherin locket temperaments right oh yeah that's yeah. a good that's some good insight I was terrified of it when I saw the damage it could actually do. And I was like, oh, it knows like it it senses things. This is terrifying. This is the pre hortcrux Hortcrux before Tom Riddle was even remotely in the picture. If you knew what the potential for how bad a blood pact could go, that is it. You know.
2: <laughs> I also wonder too, like, even though he said it was made with like young man's magic, like you have to think that the amount of passion and love mm-hmm. that you are experiencing while making this probably goes into the magic. So that's how strong their bond was. Yeah. You know, that's because if point. it wasn't true love or it wasn't like a real bond, maybe the blood pact would not have been as strong Mm-hmm. And I think it just kind of goes to show you how much in love they were when they yeah. made that. Oh, yeah. Very good point.
0: It reminded me a lot of the Unbreakable Vow as well. Yes. Just kind mm-hmm. of seeing the chain lacing around the arm yeah. and kind of getting tighter. And I'm, I'm like, I wonder if this, you know, a blood pact was like a precursor to an Unbreakable Vow or if Maybe, an Unbreakable yeah. Vow oh. has been there all along.
1: That's good thinking. I like it. I was yeah. kind of let down that like the Sword of Gryffindor didn't show up thinking... Similarly to the Slytherin locket on how it got destroyed, I was like, "This is your chance! Come on, Sword of Gryffindor, anytime now!" And then It'll it show got, up yeah, in and other movies. We've got time, even though it was like the blood pact was destroyed. I was like, "All right." I'm still waiting on this cameo. We'll see you soon. I also liked the the counter spell action between Grindelwald, Albus, and Aberforth. I felt like that was a a redeeming, you know, duel in the sense that mm-hmm. they got to protect Credence, where they didn't get to protect Ariana. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just hit me in the feels when I saw them like all mm, yeah come together and do that. And then you said, uh, remind me again what the spell is called? The uh,
0: and cantardum.
1: Yes, that (laughs) the, like you said, the parallels between those two battles, it makes me think that the prophecies with Harry and the Tycho Dodonis prophecy that's in my mind about Dumbledore and or Creedence, that they might be linked I can't prove it right now but I think Dumbledore when he encounters Harry he's speaking from experience on prophecies because he's lived it he's had that battle the running joke is that Dumbledore you know sets Potter up for slaughter but yeah. mm-hmm. I think he's fully trying to prep him because he's experienced it firsthand. You know, he's done that battle. He knows what's gonna happen. We got our Easter eggs, we got our parallels. I'm happy. Well, we got to also see
2: Newt and Theseus like swiveling. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> <That> I mean <laughs> it was so good. Like I love Theseus. He is so hot. Anyway.
0: He's a babe. He yeah, a babe he really actually. is a
2: babe. That hair. Oh man. Oh. Oh. Jeez, give it to me. But yeah, them swiveling <laughs> and just going along. I was like, I am living for the Scamander brothers well, right I, now. And I
0: noticed that you know Theseus and uh, uh, U- uh, Ulysses. I got yes. no, a thing going.
1: I'm I'm excited
2: yeah. for that. They were cozy at the end of that table when they mm-hmm. were in the pub.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, even when he introduced himself on the train, I was like, get he's it.
2: Like, it. He's like, what about me?
1: Yeah. Hello. Oh.
2: <laughs> like, introduce <laughs> me to this babe over here. Yeah, he's I like to stare at him. It's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, on the prophecy thing uh that you mentioned, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it felt like this movie was like taking place in a prophecy. Because that beginning scene of Dumbledore and Grindelwald at the cafe, it just, it felt weird to me because, you know, in the background shots of the mirror, you could see these kind of lights reverberating. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is this a memory? Is this a prophecy? And then when the whole scene caught on fire, is it just the mental representation of how Dumbledore felt. I even thought that the waitress was kind of acting very like, this is almost like a memory you're reliving. So just, you have to say the same things Mm -hmm. that you said before. Yeah. She just kind of gave me this kind of like, I'm dead in the eyes sort of thing. So I don't yeah, know you that right. was.
2: And I noticed that Dumbledore can kind of like switch reality upside down and go underneath it when he was doing that with Credence. And then he also did that at the end when he was fighting Grindelwald. And like, I don't know if it's like to protect the people around or like what is happening there. But yeah, you're right. I was kind of confused about that too. I'm like, is this reality? What's happening? Is he remembering? Like, I don't know. Got to get explained. the book, the
1: playwright, that opening scene. I had no idea what I was watching. Yeah, of, I can tell you if it was real time or not, but here we are <laughs> getting back to the train scene. I feel like the, the biggest Easter egg that was dropped was on the train. And I'm not sure if you guys caught it. Lolly brought up the subject of counter mm-hmm. The whole concept of counter is to lead astray or confuse with multiple plans in place. And I think that was the whole theme of the movie. So substitute multiple plans with alternate storylines as a way to throw off the viewer because we've had so much time to focus on Crimes of Grindelwald that we have all these theories of what could be going on in the third movie. We see it and they present a whole new slew of theories that make no sense to us right now, but it's just to, you know, lead us astray. And they even said the word countersight to like throw us off as a giant Easter egg. Do you guys see that? Or is it just me? Am I crazy? I see where you're coming from, but
2: I don't know why they would be trying to throw us off. Like what would they be? What trail are they throwing us off?
1: There's supposed to be two more movies. So you you kind of don't want them, you know, the viewer to understand everything right off the get-go and guess every other storyline. You know? I
2: suppose, but you do want the you do want the viewer to be able to follow what's happening a right. little
1: bit. You know, right. you don't want it
2: to be so confusing that it's like one of those Mission Impossible movies where you're like, I don't know anything. I don't. I don't understand what's going on. Well, look at it this um, way:
1: there was no mention of the Tycho Didanos prophecy in this movie whatsoever. When it was mentioned at least what four or five times in the previous movie and i think they deliberately did not bring that up to throw us off there was no mention of the other french family involved but we saw vinda we saw yusuf you know as representation from the lestrange family so i feel like those easter eggs were there they were very subtle i was like counting on answers to get in this movie and they didn't bring it up and then we know dumbledore isn't a french name the english translation for dumbledore is bumblebee and bumblebee in french is bourdon I I feel like they succeeded with Countersight as a viewer in throwing everybody off with all these other storylines. For me,
0: I do like the theory of that it could be that you were seeing one side of the story and that the next film would be the other side of that story. You know, seeing what tina was doing the whole time that this film is happening you know maybe maybe there's something going on with Nagini that we Mm -hmm. never got to see and that's why she wasn't in the film because that in my mind that's the only way it works for me that they did try to do a lot of fun confusing things only because it's a very dumbledore thing it's like dumbledore and that's something that i thought jude law was really great at in this movie Mm -hmm. was kind of playing that i know everything and you know nothing So just do what I tell you to do and Mm, everything will be okay. Yeah, (laughs) Like even the scene where they came out of the German ministry and he has this little object and you have no idea what it is, but it's just like telling him, oh, here comes Credence and be ready and blah, blah, blah. Kind of how I've been going with It's like maybe because, you know, the film is Secrets of Dumbledore. It's like maybe we're just not being told all the secrets yet Mm -hmm. and are basically being told, you know, hold on. The answers will come, but right now it's going to be a little confusing. You, you kind of almost feel like Harry did when Dumbledore was using him. He, he didn't know everything, but mm, because it was a in a book, you yes. could see kind of behind the scenes.
2: And is it just me or did Credence give off some serious Snape vibes? And then when Aberforth is like, always, he's did like, not. did you think of me? And he's like, always. I'm like, oh, okay. Is, I is, didn't even clock that. Yeah. Is Snape about to like is this in the family line of this somewhere? It was so like in my face, the always comment. And I'm like, the only other person that said that was Snape.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Snape wasn't born till like the 50s because he right, but Hogwarts. this could be in
2: family line. This could be like Great grandfather, say he had a little relationship with Nagini, and then maybe Nagini, whatever, but then Nagini killed Snape. So I'm like, how is this connected? I don't know.
1: Nagini being a maledictus and it's only passed on to female relative. I can't help but I'm not saying no yet. <laughs> you might be on to something. I can't we can't rule anything out after the cursed child, period. It's
0: an, it's an interesting theory. I, I there's a part of me that would love that he if he was like a descendant of the Snape line, you know, maybe he dies and Nagini and that's why Nagini joins Voldemort because she hates Dumbledore because you could see Dumbledore being the reason that Credence dies down the line because obviously they didn't kill him in this movie so they yeah they have some plan for him in the future possibly so yeah that's interesting I didn't even make the Snape parallel but
1: I'll have to look into that you're giving me more fun homework to do I know, I right it.
0: something that did stick out to me. And I think her storyline in this film was probably one of the best ones. And it was one of my favorites was Bunty. So when he gets the note, And, you know, we don't know what's on the note. And then she said that line to Newt about Newt, sometimes you can't know everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe that's what they're trying. They're like, you you can't know
1: everything. Yes, that is a very good Easter egg.
0: And just kind of watching her along this movie, just you saw this whole arc of her story as well, which I really liked of like her still being in love with him. But then in the end, I loved that line of her saying, sometimes you just know. We're not going to be together, but I care about you. Her whole storyline just kind of being like, we don't know everything. But then there was the payoff in the end. You know, she she really kind of saved the day. She really did. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. So I really weird, weird thing because you kind of we just talked about the snake thing. I really wanted Bunty to be a descendant of the Weasleys. Oh. It didn't they they set her last name in this film and I went, no, I, I wanted know. her to be a Weasley. But she so could bad. marry a Weasley though. She's Maybe. not married, yeah. you know? True. Right. Oh, she mean, just has Weasley vibes. She, she does it really does. Yeah.
1: yeah. What is it? Her last name is Broadacre, right?
0: Yeah, they said they said it in the pub scene and I was like, what? I couldn't like make it out. But I was like,
1: no, I feel like they swapped Bunty's role with Tina's. As far as like, Bunty got a lot of screen time and Tina didn't. And I don't know if that was personally or professionally in terms of, Catherine Watterson did a lot more films during the pandemic. So maybe her screen time was limited because whatever film she was working on needed her. You know, things got pushed back. So her screen time with Fantastic Beast got cut. I don't know, but I feel like Bunty did definitely shine and i was here for it we've barely seen you in the first two movies here she is again saving the day and i totally thought it was tina who was dressed in in the nun outfit in this oh. outfit i was like oh here we go come on tina coming in hot nope and, i i knew it was bunty oh i was i was sold on tina and i was like get it bunty All right. I was very happy with the ending the way that Bunty played her role very well. I've got some Jacob Kowalski Easter eggs. Maybe you guys can tell me if you noticed them. All right. Spill it. Okay. So with the snakewood wand that doesn't have a core, just giving Jacob a wand, I think they're slowly but surely introducing him to being the squib that we've been calling since day one. I'm sold on that. So I think Dumbledore knew that Jacob would take a wand very seriously and not use it for ill will. He would, I mean, even when he was talking to the Slytherin boys he was like nope nope this is this is super powerful can't touch it nope a lot of responsibility with this so I think he wanted to give Jacob the confidence I think they're hyping him up to be a squib or hyping him up to show him his wizarding heritage later on down the road, but they talked about how well the chillin took to him. And it was really cute because you see the chillin like dancing with him and, you know, in the Hogshead, Dumbledore told him when they were in the Himalayas going to the election scene that he had a very full heart. I think they wanted to instill that confidence with him because he started the movie off very depressed. Like the Great Depression set that tone. And yeah. I think they were really just saying like, hey, you have a lot of great qualities. Here's a wand. you know. Let us show you how great a human you are or a muggle or a Nomad, whatever you want to call them. And then the spell that was used on Jacob's suitcase, Bellatrix Lestrange's vault in part one of the Deathly Hallows movie. So the charm that was used on her vault, the duplication charm, and it burns when you touch it so that way Mm. it's distracting what it's supposed to do and it burns you in the process that charm was used on the suitcase with all the pastries so the guy reached in And all of those pastries just flooded and we're burning them in the process. And I think only book readers really caught on to that. For those of you who don't know, Helga Hufflepuff was great at food charms. So I'm thinking he's definitely a descendant of Hufflepuff and we just haven't seen him with the Hufflepuff cup yet. But I thought that was an interesting Easter egg to hype up possibly news that he's related to Helga Hufflepuff.
0: I have heard the theory that he might be a descendant of Helga. Jacob is such an interesting character because we've seen such a huge story arc from him. And I think he's obviously one of the most popular characters to come out of these films. Mm
1: -hmm. So I am
0: very curious to see where they go with him. You can't know everything. I think Dumbledore might know something about him that we don't know.
2: And he doesn't always share with people when he knows things about them that they don't know. Right. Harry didn't know he would have to die. Not that Jacob's going to have to die, but I mean, Doubledore's kind of one of those people that knows all unless he takes a memory out of his own head and decides not to know it for a little bit. I'm convinced the Phoenix
1: flying around throughout the movie was Fox. Did you guys get those vibes? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that Fox keeps rebirthing himself. Yeah. Okay. Because here's, what's not adding up. And this is why I don't think Aberforth is Credence's dad also, because Fox was really dedicated to Albus in the, Potter series why is Fox not dedicated to Aberforth in the Potter series when Dumbledore dies Fox is out yet when Credence passes he goes to Albus he doesn't go to Aberforth and I think he knows that this is you know Albus's son not or it's a bigger loss for Albus but I don't understand where the loyalty comes in from Fox to Albus and not Aberforth does that make sense -hmm. That threw me off. I was like, okay, we see Fox flying everywhere. I get it. He's solely dedicated to Credence right now. But when we know Credence is going to die, why does he just go to Albus and not Aberforth? I need a Patronus paternity test, too.
2: Right. Well, we're only seeing certain sections of time. So we're seeing, right. There could have been a time where Fox was dedicated to Aberforth. Perhaps it was during the time after Ariana died and then Dumbledore left. And it was like he needed Fox. And, you know, we're only seeing, you know, in the Harry Potter film. Films, we're only seeing like seven years of Dumbledore's life. So okay. Fox might've, you know, there's so much time where he could have been, you know, circling Ariana for the longest time too. It just depends on, you know, who needs him the most at that time. And even he went to go help Harry in Chamber of Secrets. So perhaps it's just whoever needs him.
1: Okay. Good argument.
0: It seems like Aberforth pushes away a lot of, to remember or talk about his family and mm-hmm. obviously, there was that scene of Dumbledore reminiscing about the food and that they used to eat. And Aberforth is just like, "Yeah, I know, I was there." And it just seems like he just does not want to remember the past. So maybe that's why you know Fox senses that and just is like, "I'll back off and stay away <laughs> from you because you really don't need me. You have your pub and your goat, and you're right? just well,
2: okay. you have to think about like when Aberforth was losing a bunch of things, like his his father went to jail. Mm -hmm. His sister died, his mother died, his brother left. He falls in love and then she gets sent away. He's just losing, 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 losing. You know, eventually, like you're saying, Stephen, like you're going to, shut down and just shut things out and yeah maybe fox was like okay moving on now (laughs) you know and who's to say he didn't maybe try to spend time with him but he just kind of pushed it away
0: okay that was a great uh potter parallel though uh, going on that just even though we don't really know how they were how they started communicating via the mirror just that parallel to harry looking in the mirror yeah and Mm abberforth watching him. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's a great parallel, like the weird kind of communication between mirrors that Abbaforth has.
1: Right. And that probably threw me for a loop the most. As Potter fans know, Aberforth is not a stranger to two-way mirrors at all. I need to know more about this backstory on how Credence and Aberforth got these two-way mirrors. And who does Aberforth know in Grindelwald's, you know, inner circle that made this connection happen? I feel like it's more than just like casting a spell on a mirror and communicating with someone that's close to you, or blood-related, or whatever the case may be, because Credence doesn't know he's speaking to somebody who's blood-related to him, but Aberforth does, or Aberforth knows, like, knows more than he's leading on, and I don't know, there was just so many holes that it did not add up with this two-way mirror situation that I need answers to. <laughs> that drove me nuts throughout the whole movie. When Yusuf Kama lost the memory of Leta, I feel like they're hinting towards someone extracted a memory from Albus. Like they're showing how easy it is to extract a memory or have a false memory put in to throw us all off. They're like, oh, you don't want to have this bad memory of of me killing your sister? Here you go. You know, and it's gone. And yet Yusuf remembered everything else that he was still actively working for Dumbledore and his loyalty was still there. So even removing Leta's past, it didn't abstract enough memories to change his loyalty. I feel like they're showing how easy it is to alter memories, to remove memories. There's probably a memory that Albus has had removed. And think about it in Half-Blood Prince with Slughorn. Albus knew that that memory was altered and he knew how to identify an altered memory and knew how to use Harry <laughs> as a mole to get the real story out of him. Okay. And I can't help but think it's from personal experience. So you're still convinced that Credence is Albus's son? Yeah, I'm. I'm not wrong here. Nope, uh, <laughs> I am standing my ground on this subject. and I was like, yes, it's not secrets of Dumbledore. It's lies of Dumbledore. That's what I am saying. That is my story. I'm sticking to it. We are not wrong. Yeah, I just think that, you know,
2: Dumbledore's regret of not being a better brother to his brother and saying, like, you know, if I would have been paying more attention, maybe he would have shared this with me because if the memory thing, if you're saying like his memory is removed, that means that someone would have had to remove Dumbledore's memory. Mm -hmm. and then put a false memory into Aberforth. And I just, I don't
1: see like the purpose of why they would go to all that trouble to do that well i mean the bigger secret is hiding credence who knows i don't know it seemed
2: like they're kind of writing off that story because they're trying to isolate the bigger story of you know grendelwald and and dumbledore their battle so they're trying to move these other storylines out of the way
1: albus was talking to aberforth about like hey this is your kid his body language said guilty his body language said i think he felt shame I think he felt guilt and I could see that he felt uncomfortable. I think he's lying. I think he knows that there's a bigger truth. And I think he was just playing the part. Something.
2: On the other hand, you can be guilty that you weren't in your child's life. Yes, absolutely. This whole time, and you didn't do anything about it. And, you know, perhaps yeah. he, he did find out at some point later on and, and didn't say anything or didn't do anything because, you know, he must have known for a while because he said To credence, like, you know, always, like I always thought about you. Mm -hmm. So he knew about him. He just didn't tell Dumbledore because Albus was just wrapped up in his own thing. But I think him feeling uncomfortable and feeling shame is because he wasn't a father to his son. And he could have been if he wanted to, or he could have, you know, he felt guilty, didn't do more. You know, I don't know what his reasoning would be to lie about having a child. I think if anything, you would lie and say you don't have one, right? I don't know if that just not a
1: bad argument. I think you might I, be I, onto something with the somebody put a false memory in Aberforth's head.
2: But I don't I don't think they did that. I'm I'm just saying I think that they that seems like going to a lot of trouble for like a reason that doesn't necessarily pan out. Like there doesn't seem to be a reason for that.
0: Okay. Well, originally I wanted to be in the camp that Credence was not related to them at all. And that Grindelwald was just manipulating him to kind of get what he wants since that's really his character. But now with this whole storyline of Abbeforth being his father. I'm kind of in the camp that it is true that, you know, Abbeforth did have a son, he just feels guilty about it. Granted, we don't know much about the mother still, And the reason I I almost feel like they went in that direction is because in Potter, we had Rita Skeeter write this entire book about Dumbledore and Rita's really good about getting her information. But the problem with Rita is she focuses on like one thing and that thing was Dumbledore, not Abafor. She didn't care about Abifor. So I'm like, maybe that's why that didn't appear in her Mm -hmm. book Mm -hmm. about Dumbledore, because it was never brought up so that they could kind of, okay, well Abbaforth, we're going to focus more on him and past that he has versus Dumbledore's past that we already know. Up until (laughs) this
2: point, we have not really known anything about Aberforth except for that, you know, at the end of the very last Harry Potter movie, there he is, Mm -hmm. you know, helping him out and really know much other than that except for him and Albus aren't, you know, best friends right, (laughs) for various reasons.
1: What did you guys think about Grindelwald's seer
0: powers? Yeah, it, it seems like there are kind of all over the place with (laughs) with that. The whole storyline of Grindelwald between the second film and this film was one of the things I didn't really like about the film. I felt like they kind of were like, we have to change stuff quickly. It was just literally went from, he's done all these evil things in the first two films Mm -hmm. to try to go against the governments of the Wizarding World. And then in this film, it was like all of a sudden, oh, hey guys, so we don't have enough evidence that he's corrupt. So, And by the way, we're going to let him run in this election. (laughs) just like it just was like what
1: that did not translate Um, at all that did not make sense to me how is it like his powers were so strong in the second fantastic beast movie and i was like why do you have to go and kill magical bambi to get to see into the future you already have this gift what am i not getting here from your seer powers why are why are they so temperamental this makes no sense to me. Did you guys get that vibe?
2: Well, I don't think that he was using the chillin to see. I think he was using the chillin to convince his audience that he was chosen. No, you didn't so, see
1: the vision in the I water? did in the blood. Yeah. He yeah. he
2: could see that, but that's not, it just was showing what was in the chillin's mind because he can see those things or whatever. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to kill it and then bring it back to life so that it would be loyal to him so that all the work, you know, on the whole wizarding stage of the of mm-hmm. Wizarding world, they would see. Oh, he is chosen to put himself in a position of power, but it wasn't to see anything, or at least that's what my take was on it.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't understand why he had to kill it in the first place. Like he could have just used it and, like, I don't know, mothered it <laughs> to to like him. In but it it can
2: see your soul. He knows yeah. his soul is black, so he had yeah. to use dark magic to oh, enchant. Necromancy. Okay. This... Yeah, he had to enchant the chillin to be able to choose him because it would never choose him. Right. Mm-hmm. And he knows this. Yeah. I don't see Grindelwald mothering any animals. Right, <laughs> He's like, mm, I'll kill it. That'll be easier. <laughs>
0: right. I honestly, I liked that. I, I loved and didn't like Mads at the same time in this movie. I thought that he, uh, that he was definitely more grounded Grindelwald, yes. which I'm, I would have been interested to see Johnny Depp's take on this. Cause I think it would have been a bit more over the top, but oh, um, yeah. mm-hmm. him, yeah. him killing the chillin. And then um, resurrecting it in that pool—it was a nice nod to the fans who know his backstory of going to Durmstrang and being kicked out because he was practicing such dark magic that even Durmstrang of all places was like, "Yeah, yeah no." Um, <laughs> and then, you, and then seeing the 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 Deathly Hollow symbol on the building behind him—just those little nods and touches to to his kind of obsession with the dark magic in the dark world so i like that resurrecting the chillin and really using that evil evil magic especially on a creature that it seemed like they revered in the wizarding world so mm-hmm. much but the seer powers it's like at one point you can see a, a a lot of stuff and then at another point you can't see that you're about to be tricked by all of these wizards when they bring the real chillin hmm I don't know if it's just because they're like, we wouldn't have a movie if he saw everything. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean? They're
2: like, wait a second. That storyline
1: backfired. I could have used more Horcrux cameos. Got to see the Sorcerer's Stone in the second Fantastic Beast. But I was counting on seeing Horcruxes in this movie. And I was like, man, all right. Maybe next time. Was there anything you guys felt it was missing? Tina huh? for one. Yes, Tina. Okay. no Tina. Tina. Nagini. <sighs> Yeah, Nagini. Okay.
0: We saw more port keys in this film than we saw. Yes. Fun. I was trying to understand is this a port key or is this just a magical object? That transports them to uh, Bhutan, it, this giant bell that had yeah, creatures that? on it. No it idea. was so interesting. It is the um, room that we
2: require. Yeah. yeah
0: <laughs> and that's like, the
2: only explanation you get.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just, for me, it, it was explanations of things, you know, just that was the biggest thing that I, I wanted that I didn't feel like was in the film. And then there were things, there were just like little inconsistencies that I was trying to understand. For example, like when Newt goes to this prison that Theseus is in, Mm -hmm. I was just sitting there going, so wait a minute, Newt didn't do anything illegal. He obviously got a thing from Dumbledore to go visit his brother, but at no point did this guard man go, oh, by the way. You can die in there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, we're basically killing people in this prison when the lights go out. So that was an odd choice, even though I did like the swivel thing. I found their design of the manticore odd. Yes! I was, I was like, like that's why not is it a manticore. A crab?
1: There's no head of a lion. I mean super scary. Mm-hmm. Way to go visual effects team, but that's not a manticore. That's scary. I mean it growls. It sounds like a manticore, but it's a crab. You're right.
0: I thought it was a fire crab. I was sitting there going, "Oh, I guess this must be a giant fire crab." But there were a lot of beasts in this film that I was like they didn't name what they were and I really wanted to know like the bird at the beginning that just like puffed up. I was like, we never, like, what, what is that? I want to yeah. know what that is.
2: Are they, I wonder if they're all actually in the book, the fantastic beast book.
0: Um, I have to, I would have to go look at it again. Cause I don't remember that like reading something about a bird that puffs up and stuff, but right? I could yeah. be totally missing my, something.
1: Yeah. My edition didn't have the chillin' in there. And then I was thinking American spelling with a ch and then i was like i felt like Hermione. i was like oh i looked in the wrong section no because when i found the right spelling it's spelled with a q and even then it wasn't in there in that section i was completely thrown off and i was like maybe i just have an older edition and i need to update myself they haven't <laughs> come up with that one yet when they wrote it right <laughs> add more we're improving. <laughs> yeah let's do it yeah. yeah
0: let's do it
1: steven you're in the hot seat get ready
0: oh god
1: favorite harry potter character
0: oh my you know i have this is going to Sound crazy. I have always loved the evil character. <laughs> That's fine. I I just, so my favorite, favorite character is probably Rita Skeeter. Oh. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm a little gossipy queen. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda Richardson also really helped me fall deeply in love with the character just by her portrayal. I think she was fabulous in the films, but there's just something about Rita. I just enjoy this just, you know, journalist who will do anything to get her story. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she wears these amazing fashionable clothing, and then the kind of the little reveal we get at the end that she's an animagus and turns into a bug. I was like, ah, that, yes, yes, that's great. (laughs) The bug, the fly on the wall. If you take away the films and you only have the books, I would say that the character that I connect with the most is probably Neville, which I think a lot of us do. Neville, you know, I think is the average kid who is destined to do something great. He just has to get there. And yeah. I think that's a lot of us. You know, it's like we we have more potential than we think. We just we have to get there.
2: Who is your favorite Fantastic Beasts character?
0: I would say it was Queenie okay. before this film, but I fell in love with Yulele. Okay, I yeah, she was great. I love her character. Just the way she appeared in the street and they did this whole thing with her friends to just be like, we just got to test this. And her just being like, you know, you could be... Angrier, you could be scarier. (laughs) More menacing. Uh, And she just was so confident how she walked into the shop and said, and just basically did a whole recap of the last two films of like you went to the bank on this date. Like I just <laughs> yeah. loved her confidence and her just knowing that she's a badass. And I really I hope that down the line we get to go to Ilva Mornay and kind of see her world. Yeah, definitely Uleley. She was the standout for me.
1: Do you have a favorite creature from the Harry Potter or Fantastic Beast universe?
0: The standout for me always is the Niffler. There you go. He yeah. just he's the cutest. Thing in the world, and right. the, I think they mo- they animate him so well to do those little kind of snorts and snips and and just kind of you could almost see what he's thinking. He's just I loved in this film when Pickett thought that <laughs> yes. he was going to save him. The and little scream, the yes, yeah.
2: and you hear the little like. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably. <laughs> so um, good but you take away the films I would say my favorite creature that I bring up a lot actually in my job is the augury which is uh. a magical bird that back in the day wizards thought it was an omen of death if you heard an augury cry but then they came to find out that they could just predict when bad weather was coming and one <laughs> of my favorite little tangents that I'll tell yes when they come to the park is that there was a wizard named Yurik the oddball who is famous for doing many crazy things. But back when they thought the augury could, an omen of death, he decided to test that by staying in a room with like 70 auguries. And at one point they all cried at the same time. So he assumed he had died. And he tried (laughs) to walk through a wall, but then just bashed into it. (laughs) So good. You do see an augury in the second film. It's when Jacob goes down into Newt's basement and there's that bird that flies up and kind of looks at him.
2: Okay, what are you currently reading?
0: Actually, I just started a book. It's called Heck. Mm -hmm. So it's a book about this town. It seems like it's sort of in um, Massachusetts, basically kind of where, you know, Salem Mm -hmm. area. And it's about this town that you come to find out has been plagued for years and years and years by this witch who put a curse on the town. But then the town found a way to basically, they basically bound her. So she still exists within the town and everyone in this town knows about her. And so she's, she's there, but she doesn't really do anything until one day these teenagers decide to unbound her as a prank chaos ensues
1: do you have a favorite harry potter or facebook tiktok creator or influencer i ask because i have one (laughs) and i know it's probably (laughs) just like a really weird flex on my part but i had somebody send me her tiktok and i i watch her stuff all the time
0: i have a feeling i already i think i know you're gonna say is it the girl who does professor McGonagall?" yes
1: chanel williams
0: i really like her she's she's really 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 good Um, i like that guy i can't remember his name but he does like the dumbledore going out to the club i have not seen this so much. <laughs> and he's like really famous for doing a bunch of like really weird characters he yeah he plays dumbledore just like going out to the gay bars and he, play- he makes all <laughs> these funny like references so good and stuff. weird interesting side note so in china they actually cut six seconds of dialogue from the film of Dumbledore talking about his love towards Grindelwald. So I had to like, yeah, I know it's, it really sucks, but I had to message my friend to be like, what? I, I knew one of them was when he told him he loved him in the cafe -hmm. And then the other one was when he said, "the the summer I fell in love with Grindelwald." But you totally could still tell that they were in love. And but I just thought that was a weird thing that they cut out here.
1: Weird flex. What are you currently watching?
0: Well, Drag Race, as always. Okay. (laughs) I do love I do love the Drag Race. I just started Russian into last night. I'm getting excited to to go back into that world again. And I'm also watching Dairy Girls. Oh, okay, yeah. big fan of the dairy girls. And then I am finishing up uh, his dark materials um, oh, on that was good. HBO max. Okay, yeah. uh, One of my favorite series. I just, I love that series as well. Um, I think the actress who plays Mrs. Coulter in, in performance is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, funnily oh. enough, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and I share the same birthday.
1: <laughs> <gasps>
2: no oh, it's fate.
0: That is fate. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. We sh- we share the same uh, birthday, which I've always found is uh, very interesting.
1: That is serendipitous. It really is. Have you met him?
0: Uh, sadly, I've never met any of the main three, which, you okay. know, I would, I would hope maybe someday that'll happen. I heard a rumor that they were supposed to come here, but COVID obviously caused that not to happen. I, I, I would love to be able to meet at least one of them one day it was really weird actually because I I listened to your episode kind of talking about the 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. and that was such a weird thing to watch only because obviously I'm not involved in the films in any way but you almost I almost understand kind of what they went through because this I've been with Potter for about 11 years now so it's it's kind of crazy like you know my life has been surrounded by it so I, I totally get the whole uh, them talking about kind of like, yeah, I just it's all I've known and all I knew for such a long time. And even though they're so much older now, every day, I see them still as the age they were in these films. So I know I'm not like connected with the film at all, but you in what I get to do with entertainment and stuff, you know, it, you feel this weird connection to mm-hmm. it. so
1: well, we appreciate you making magic all day, every day worldwide. So thank you for doing what you do, sir.
0: I, I really loved this. This was awesome. Fun thing real quick. I'll tell you guys how to say the trio's name in Chinese. So Harry is pretty similar. It's just Harry Bota. They kind of put a B on the P like Harry Potter. Oh, And then Hermione Granger is Hermine Galangia. And then Ron Weasley is Luan Weasley. That's fine.
2: Pretty. Isn't
1: that interesting? Yeah. Way to end our show on a high note, dude. Yeah.
0: Thank you guys so much.
2: And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirl sponsors include Tax Pros, an award-winning tax firm dedicated to providing their clients a full range of advanced tax planning and tax resolution services. With five locations in Southern California, TaxPros is there to meet you where you are, offering phone and video appointments. Learn more or book an appointment today at TaxProsTaxProsE.com. The Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. With prints inspired by Outlander, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, Marvel, and more, you are sure to find a design that celebrates your favorite fandom. We're offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes.
1: The Fangirls podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen in a podcast so that we can dish and spill the tea with more fangirls and fan guys like you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We love
2: hearing from you. So connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our website to see all that the fangirls are up to. We post a monthly shopping guide called the fangirls favorite things inspired by your favorite fandoms. All the information will be in the show notes. See you next time. See you next time.
1: We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. The Wizarding World, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the cast of Secrets of Dumbledore, anything J.K. Rowling has ever created. Just, just big fan. Just a couple of Potterheads.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.